You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Friday morning to you with Bernie taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And thank you to Finbar Harrington who's just sent in a text saying, Patricia, will you please ask motorists to put their lights on? It is a nasty, nasty morning out there today. And it is. Thank you for that, uh, Finbar. Because actually when I was driving to work myself this morning and that was just after eight, uh, I noticed as well, I couldn't get over that there was a couple of cars I passed without their lights on thinking how stupid it's just a dark damp dank kind of a morning so you would need to I would assume have your lights on probably for much of uh, today so thank you uh, for your text uh, Finbar and Maraid at the newsroom uh, jumped the gun on me and got in with the big the, the big announcement because there was an embargo on to 10 o'clock uh, this morning and I know there will be a lot of people very excited to hear the latest addition to Live at the Marquee is the fantastic Pet Shop Boys who are one of the most successful duos in UK music uh, history They have achieved, would you believe, 42 top 30 singles, including 22 top 10 hits and four number ones. They've reduced 14 studio albums, all of which made it to the UK top 10, as well as the album charts around the world. And of course, their latest release is Hotspot, which charted at number three in the UK, in Germany and in Spain. And they're coming to see us in... June. Live at the Marquee, they will play on the 9th of June and I know there will be a lot of Pet Shop Boys fans very excited about this news this morning. Tickets, by the way, uh, will go on sale nationwide at ticketmaster.ie and outlets nationwide 9am on Friday, March the 6th. That's this day week, isn't it? I went to to March nearly already. Okay, so this day week, 9 o'clock, tickets will be on sale. I have a funny feeling they will sell out very, very quickly indeed. That's the Pet Shop Boys live at the Marquee on June the uh, 9th. And don't forget on this programme this morning, you will have another opportunity to qualify. If you are a Billy Joel fan, we want to send you to the New York because Billy Joel is in the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden on the 2nd of May. We have a wonderful weekend away planned for you with tickets to go see Billy Joel, but you'll spend a wonderful weekend in New York at the same time. So at some stage on the programme today, as we've been doing all week, I'll play a Billy Joel track. You need to text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 for your chance to become a qualifier, getting you closer to our grand final where one lucky listener will be heading off to see Billy Joel in the Big Apple with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's Greatest Hits C103. Now, coronavirus, and uh, we all knew it was inevitable that it was going to happen at some stage that there would be somebody confirmed with coronavirus in Ireland. And of course, we've heard and we've been following this uh, story since yesterday, the confirmation of of a lady on a flight from Italy into Dublin and she's now tested positive for the coronavirus. She got off the plane in Dublin airport and then she travelled to Northern Ireland and yesterday there seemed to be a bit of confusion as to how she travelled to Belfast but it seems today, certainly reading in the papers, it looked like she travelled by train. She took the train Uh, to Belfast out of Connolly Station. So now 
the HSE's public health doctors are trying to track down the people that were sitting close to her on the flight from Italy to Dublin and obviously they're going to have to try to contact the people that would have been exposed and sitting near her on the train out of Connolly Station in Dublin up to uh, Belfast it seems she be- I don't know what stage she started to feel unwell but she presented at hospital in Belfast and she was she's the first confirmed case in Northern Ireland and on the island of Ireland but she has been sent home so she's not very unwell thankfully so please God she'll make a full recovery but she's at home now being looked after and, and self-isolating uh, obviously but it is the first case of coronavirus on the island of Ireland and it follows it's funny when the news broke it had followed a warning from the HSE officials that it could be circulating in the Republic but it just hasn't been picked up yet by tests and talking of it circulating already in the Republic we got an email in yesterday <coughs> from a person who wants to remain anonymous but we have the person's uh, full name and contact details and this kind of blew me away when 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 I read this because you know I was listening to HSC saying yes the coronavirus is it's you know you can nearly be 100% sure it's there we just haven't picked it up to, uh, haven't picked it up yet and then I read this email that uh, that says now I'm not going to give out the areas because I don't want to scare people and there's already a real sense of fear amongst a lot of people. I mean, we're hearing about people panic buying food, for example, and people are very, very nervous of the very thought that coronavirus could come into your area. So I don't want to add to people who are already scared by naming the the exact place where this man lives. But it says, uh, Hi, uh, please keep my details anonymous. I know a man in the North Cork area is all we're saying, who's recently returned from a trip to northern Italy. Now, I stop there. I don't know a part of northern Italy. I don't know if he was in one of the areas that is a hotspot for the coronavirus. Anyway, back to the email. He has been unwell since he came home. But because he has another trip abroad coming up, he doesn't want to highlight, in inverted commas, his plight. Because he is fearful he will get quarantined. And if he get quarant- if he gets quarantined, he's going to miss his upcoming trip abroad. This man is incredibly selfish, says our listener. He has children in a local school and could be the cause of a huge problem in Ireland. My own child is actually in that school, so therefore I'm very, very annoyed about this. Perhaps C103 could blast this out over the airwaves to maybe make him see sense. Thanking you and our listener wants to remain anonymous. I was just absolutely shocked at the selfishness and the stupidity of that person. Now we did contact the HSE and we told the HSE this morning about this listener and about the concern about this man who's just returned from Italy feeling unwell but doesn't want to tell anyone for fear that he's going to be put into quarantine and and pond- and asked them straight out what advice can we give to our listener and to other people who may be aware of this man and they've come back and said Please be advised that the HSE and the Department of Health are not providing information about individual activations or preparedness plans or about individual cases of COVID-19 coronavirus other than confirmed cases. 
and then they just go on and just tell us the the approach taken is under the guidance of the WHO and they give us the various websites and I have to say the HSE websites are very good with with uh, updates and they update it at one o'clock every day and, and they just go on to talk about the patient in isolation in Northern Ireland and receiving treatment and all that but didn't give us any advice on what to tell our listener because you know I was I, I thought the HSE would be back saying you know that person needs to contact their doctor that person needs to present to a hospital that person needs to isolate them you know I really thought I was going to get practical advice on that but anyway so then decided to do a little bit of research what what do you do in a case like this and this is where this man's stupid is being really really stupid unless he has coronavirus he's not going to be quarantined and God help us if he does have coronavirus then he does need to be quarantined. He doesn't need to be getting on another plane and travelling to another country where he will then become very unwell and he will end up quarantined in another country and he mightn't get home for ages and he's putting so many other people at risk. Now, please God and hopefully he doesn't have the coronavirus but he needs to find out one way or the other. So the protocol, uh, and they've changed the protocol slightly. If you think you have the coronavirus, or you think you've been in contact with somebody who has the coronavirus, and and in this case you come down with symptoms, what you do is they're saying to people, ring your GP, have a chat with your GP. The GP will talk through your symptoms and all of that. If the GP then thinks that you may have and I think possibly in this case the GP because this person has been to Northern Italy I imagine that this person will say the doctor will think yeah you you do need to be tested so you'll be contacted by a a local public health doctor now they may decide to send you if you and and if the GP decides you need to be tested you will then be contacted you'll he or she will contact the emergency department of their local hospital. The staff then will be informed that this person is arriving. That gives them the chance to don all of the protective gear. Now, the protocol from this point has changed to earlier in the week. Earlier in the week, people requiring testing were transported to the hospital by ambulance, but they, they've stopped doing that uh, unless the person is extremely unwell. But if the person is deemed fit enough, he or she will be told, get to the hospital Get somebody to to bring you, you know, bring somebody else with you, but come to the hospital. The reason they don't want to send all the ambulances out, they all have to be decontaminated and and all that. So I can understand that. So the person will be told, this man, come to the hospital. On arrival at the hospital, the person then is tested and clinically assessed. If necessary, they may be hospitalised, but otherwise the person will be sent home. Once home, they'll be contacted by a public health specialist providing advice about self-isolation. Now, the test then, this man will be tested. The test is sent to the National Virus Reference Laboratory, which is in UCD, where the result is ready within 24 hours. I'm told in some cases it can be ready within 12 hours. So effectively, it would mean that if this man's samples were received this afternoon by the very latest it would be this time tomorrow he would know for sure if he had coronavirus or not if the test is negative and hopefully it would be um, then the person would be free to resume normal life now obviously he'd be advised to keep an eye on his symptoms but you know off you go go away on your trip abroad knowing that you don't have the coronavirus if he did test positive then he would either be taken to hospital and treated there are in the case in Northern Ireland sent home told what to do and look after yourself and if he's a fit and a healthy man he'll you know he'll get over it and, and you know he'll be fine and hopefully nobody in his family will pick it up but to be going about his business 
all because he's going away on another trip is beyond selfish. It really is beyond selfish. So I uh, and I know as the listener said, hoping by us talking about it on the radio today, uh, he may hear it. He'll know. He'll know who he is. He'll know. You know who you are if you're listening. You know who we're talking about. Please be sensible about this. You may only have picked up a bad head cold. It might be the flu, you know. Contact your doctor. Explain to your doctor the symptoms that you have. Explain where you've been in northern Italy. As I say, I don't know what part. I don't know if you've been in one of the areas that has the outbreak of the coronavirus. But the very fact that you've been to northern Italy and you now have symptoms, please pick up the phone, ring your doctor, have a chat with your doctor. If they have to do a test, they'll do the test today and by this time tomorrow, it'll all be done and dusted and you'll know one way or the other. But please, don't go around burying your head in the sand thinking, I don't have coronavirus. Find out for sure because you're a very stupid man. If you get on a plane and go abroad and then discover you have the coronavirus, you're going to be in a lot more trouble then because you're going to be away from home uh, trying to battle what is a nasty, nasty um, uh, illness. So please... Stop being selfish and be get a bit of sense uh, into you. 1850-333-103. Somebody says that man should be reported to the guards ASAP. What a stupid man. I don't think you can report somebody to the guards because we think they have the, the coronavirus. Somebody else wants to see him uh, arrested. Uh, beyond stupid. Yeah, it is just beyond, beyond uh, stupidity. And for people worried, and I know yesterday we had Dr Nick on and I thought Dr Nick did really well in talking us through all of the symptoms and how to look after ourselves and all of that, just to try to allay people's fears on how severe the coronavirus can be. For the majority of people, the coronavirus is a mild illness. Now, at the moment, they're saying around two in every 100 die. But that is mainly elderly people are people who've got an underlying illness but for the majority of the population you will be fine You'll, you know you might be feel very unwell flu symptoms wise but other than that you will recover and people who are tested you don't all have to go to hospital people thinking oh the hospital won't be able to cope and, 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 and I'd still be nervous about the hospital not being able to cope with the most severe people but it's only very severe cases anybody else will, will be sent home told to recover at home that, now you will have rigid self-isolation measures that will have to be followed at homes, home so that you don't pass it on to everybody else in your house but you will be able to get over it at home there's no antiviral medication that's recommended at the moment to treat the infection so basically how it's treated at the moment you just have to relieve the symptoms you know you'll take pain relief a cough syrup or cough medication it seems to be a nasty cough with it and then as with all flus and all of these viruses as much rest as you can get and you'll be told to drink as much as you can. The more serious illness will depend on the person's immune system because it can go on to cause pneumonia in some patients. But again, this depends on a person's age and the underlying conditions that they already have. And how close are we to getting a vaccine for the coronavirus? The US National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and a drug maker by the name of Moderna. They've been developing a vaccine which is ready to be tested now and it's hoped there'll be results available in July or or August. So they are getting closer to coming up with a vaccine. 1850-333-103. We're going to stay on the topic of 
the coronavirus because coincidentally we're going to be talking about travel and people's concerns about booking holidays if you have a holiday booked you know we all know the advice about not going to China not going to Hong Kong not going to Singapore and the towns in northern Italy we know all the advice of that but what about other holiday destinations it is the time of the year when people are thinking about holidays so what do we need to keep in mind about holidays and I think more than ever how important travel insurance I have to say hand to my heart I have never travelled anywhere without bringing travel insurance with me and I I never ceases to amaze me when I meet people and talk to people who don't believe in taking travel insurance and I've rarely had to use my travel insurance thankfully but it's just it gives me that little peace of mind and do you know of all of the insurance premiums it's not the most expensive and I think it probably is not the most expensive because we don't have to use it that much but if God forbid something went wrong you really do need the, tra- need the travel insurance so we'll talk about that. We're also going to hear about a free service to dispose of unused and unwanted medicines that are in our homes. We all have a medicine cabinet or a cupboard where we keep all the medicine uh, in. If you open it now and take a look could it do with a little bit of a spring clean? Do you know I was reading up about this last night when I was preparing for, for this in the interview I'll be doing later um, and I just got into bed and said I do about there so many med- many unused and out of date and I just sort of took a look and said God yeah I've, I've, I seem to have a lot of medicine in the cupboard do you know the just in case the just in case and then the half bottles of cough bottles and stuff and then so I just took one or two packages out and the first one I I took out was actually out of date by two years. <laughs> it was only painkillers. I couldn't believe it was out of date by two years. So anyway, so those kind of things as well on top of prescribed medication and we'll be hearing about a service to dispose uh, of it. We're going to get an update on last night's meeting for the Save Bantry Hospital. There was a meeting in Skib last night. There's a meeting in Bantry uh, tonight. That campaign to Save Bantry Hospital has not gone away. The campaign continues. We'll talk about it uh, today. A TV production company joins us. They're looking for families to take part or people to take part who are looking to buy a house looking maybe to downgrade maybe to upsize you want to get into a bigger house maybe the needs of your family have changed anyone who's considering any kind of a house purchase would you like to do it with cameras following you around See, it's, it's always good because you can probably get some expert help as well uh, and if that's something that you th- appeals to you we'll have the details on the programme uh, today and we don't go to the movies with Marcus he's on a bit of a break at the moment but we will instead be hearing about a new health and wellbeing programme that's about to be rolled out in uh, Mallow Bernie taking your calls 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 and uh, John in Blackpool reading the Echo this morning and there's a piece there's an article in the Echo on Elaine Crowley uh, from Virgin Media Media One and she actually mentions us here at C103 and in particular she mentions me which I'm very grateful and thankful for because of course she started her media career with us she started working she came out of college and she came to us initially on work experience and then she was working here she hit it for the bones of a year. I mean, she worked on the programme uh, with me and she was working in production, but we always knew, we always knew we wouldn't keep a lead for very long. She was destined for bigger and better things. And then, of course, TV3 started and um, she was one of the first. She started as a news reporter there and has, of course, done extremely well. And now she's got her own, the Elaine show on Virgin Media One uh, every day. And it, it's a great show. But she actually references the fact that her first job was with us here in C103 in Mallow, which is really, really nice and very 
kind of her uh, to say that and John in Blackpool saw the article and saw the fact that she had mentioned me as well which is terrific and actually the article is all to do with uh, Elaine is going to be chairing a series of teen talks the events of her transition year students and they're organised and coordinated by Cork County Council and they're going to be going around the county they're taking place in Charleville, Little Island and in Bantry in March and in April and reading in the paper today the events are aimed at parents and teachers and they discuss some of the newer issues affecting teenagers in the new decade and the local schools have all been informed about the event and how to uh, register and uh, Elaine is going to be chairing that series of uh, teen, teen talks when we get any if we get any I'll get on to Elaine and see if we've got any dates on exactly when they are happening because I think a lot of parents and indeed teachers will be very interested in going along uh, to to it and a lovely picture of Elaine as well she's a stunningly beautiful woman as well which always helps when you work on TV that's why I work on radio 1850 Bernie's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 Now we've been talking all week about the coronavirus trying to address people's concerns about the illness a number of listeners are worried about travel and if they should book or even cancel holidays so advice for people hoping to go abroad this year I'm joined by Kieran Mulligan who is the Managing Director of Multitrip.com Good morning to you Kieran. Good morning Patricia uh, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme Now outside of the countries that the government is advising us not to travel to would you encourage people to still book their holidays and you know and not worry about going abroad? Yes well if it's me personally Yes. yes, I would. And I know my friends and family are still heading away. I've told friends who are going to Tenerife this week, yes, go ahead. I mean, there is a bit of hysteria around this. Um, and, and the facts are is that normal influenza is killing more people than the coronavirus. For example, the United States in the, in the winter season just gone had over 200,000 people that had influenza. 12,000 people uh, uh, died of that influenza who weren't protected. Um, that's 6%. of people that have coronavirus and it's people with underlying conditions and elderly that have died of it and there's only 24 outside of China. So, you know, everybody loves to talk about travel and the problems with travel and what can happen, holidays and media love that as well. Um, But let's take it within, like, are you going to stop? If if you heard an outbreak in Cork, there was one outbreak in Cork, would you stop going into the city? Would you stop going to restaurants? Would you stop going to shows? No, you wouldn't. So, I think personally myself, yes, continue on with your holiday plans. If somebody has an underlying condition or somebody elderly and they're thinking of going to a a region that has a high density of it, say like South Korea or certain parts of northern Italy, then yes, I would consider. But individually, no, because if you're you're in good health and you're fairly young, you know, it's going to be like a normal flu that you're picking up. Yeah, you'll you'll feel unwell for a few days and you'll recover and you'll be fine. Exactly. What I would say to people is, if you're one of these people that don't travel with travel insurance or book a holiday without getting travel insurance, then you really need to think about it because we're seeing such a spike in the number of people taking travel insurance and people adding travel disruption to that policy. And likewise, if you're booking a holiday this year, book with your travel agent. If you're not an expert of moving flights around or moving hotels, they are the experts. So if you're thinking of booking a holiday this year, go into your travel agent 
And if there's a problem later on down the road, they're the experts that have been able to move you to a different destination or change your hotel or whatever. Uh, something I'd highly recommend this year to consumers. Yeah, because if, if you are forced to cancel because of, be it coronavirus or whatever, but be it that the government issue uh, a warning saying we're telling people not to travel to such a destination and you've already booked your holiday, does your travel insurance cover you for that if that holiday gets cancelled? If, if you've got a blue insurance policy through our travel agent network, or at blueinsurance.ie, there is a cover there called Government Travel Advice. And that cover, up to the limit that's on the policy, will protect you in the event the Department of Foreign Affairs advises against all but essential travel to a region. And if that's within 14 days of your departure, you'll be entitled to claim uh, up to the limit that's on the policy. Now, in the first instance, you're going to go to the airlines. The airlines probably not going to travel uh, to that region because they've been told by DFA, do not go there. Um, so they'll probably give you a refund. But on an accommodation that you might have booked, whether you booked with your agent or whether you booked with booking.com or whatever, um, if you don't have cancellation cover included on that booking, then you're left exposed to that hotel. They may accommodate you if something has broken out and may move you to a later time of the year or whatever. But if they don't, then that's the element of your policy that will pick it up. And likewise, there's an optional cover that's available to add to your policy which we're seeing a massive number adding in to existing and people taking out new policies, travel disruption cover. That covers up to €1,000 per person. If you need to cancel or move your uh, flight or hotel in the event that on the day of travel that you're due to go, the Department of Foreign Affairs says you are not to travel, all but essential travel to one area. So in the event that your airline doesn't give you a refund or move you and so on, or your hotel, etc., then you've covered up to €1,000 per person in the event the department says do not travel. And that's with travel disruption. That's an optional cover. No, it's an optional um, cover, okay. An optional cover, I'd recommend everybody add it to their policy to and, give them that extra protection. And Kieran, you know the people that were on holidays this year that were forced into isolation in the hotel in uh, Tenerife? H10, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you covered for expenses for that? I mean, if you were due home, I mean, some people were, were, were on holidays, so they were okay. But if you were due home that day and suddenly the hotel went into lockdown... Well, we're, we're getting these type of queries. It's not covered as standard on your policy, but the under, our underwriters have said in the event that a hotel charges additional costs for staying in the quarantined hotel, then they will cover the cost of that. However, it will be very, like, in most cases, the local, uh, the local authorities will cover the cost of that because they're the one quarantining you. It's not mm. by choice that you want to be there. So in most cases... I know I, I, it would be very bad for a hotel to start billing customers for having Absol- them quarantine. Absolutely. And, God, and do. God forbid if you did get coronavirus, um, the, your, your medical expenses will, will cover you. Will cover you job. for any... Like in a lot of cases, you'll be taken to a hospital or what may happen is that you may be quarantined in your hotel or whatever and they have a doctor coming in and out to you. But I, I, the recent cases seem to be that they're bringing you to hospital. So your policy would cover you that. If you travelled abroad against the Department of Foreign Affairs advice of do not travel to a region yeah. and you decided to travel, then your medical expenses cover on your policy will not cover you. Wow, that's you interesting. Because you travelled against the advice of the Department of Foreign Affairs. Okay, that's, that's worth bearing in mind. And then what about people who are simply too nervous about travelling because of this uh, coronavirus and they simply want to cancel. We had a lady the other day contacted us. She's two weeks in Spain, booked in two weeks' time and she said, too nervous, I'm not going to travel. And she thinks she... she I don't know if she's travel insurance or not, but I, I said There's to her, no you know... cover for disinclination to travel. Is there not? To be honest, as I said, like, I mean, you have to be real about this. There is hysteria around this because people... 
you know, news, travel, everybody loves talking about, you know, this type of thing and holidays and so on. If there was an outbreak in Cork in in the city centre, there was one or two people had it, would you stop going to Cork city centre? Would you stop, you know, going to cinema? Would you stop going to restaurants? You wouldn't. You have to continue on with your life. I know. Because people, I'm hearing people on the radio saying, oh, I'm due to go to Lanzarote. I'm a bit nervous of going. It's not in Lanzarote. And even if it was, the likelihood of you catching it there, and if you're in good health, it's going to be like a flu symptom. Yeah. So, you know... But you your travel insurance, you but if, if you decide just for whatever reason you're of a nervous disposition, I'm not going, I'm going to wrap myself up in cotton wool and not move outside the door. There's you, no cover on your you policy. You lose your holiday. Yeah. You'll, My you'll, advice to you would be then is go and seek out a country that doesn't have coronavirus and look at moving your flights, go online or go into a travel agent, move your flights and possibly look at moving your hotel. Yeah. But there is no cover there for anyone with just this inclination to travel. Okay. So, um, okay, but but it does absolutely go back to the importance of making sure that you have travel insurance, no matter where yeah, where, I mean, where you go. We generally say there's about twenty five to thirty percent of people uh, don't travel without travel insurance, or who do travel without travel insurance. Sorry. What percentage? Um, twenty five to thirty wow. percent. Wow. It's really high. I mean, the cost of a policy with ourselves, a multitrip.com, an annual policy to Europe starts at 17.95 for an annual policy. So really, for the price of a, a cocktail in some bar that you might go to, you know, you're covering yourself for the year and it covers medical cancellation, everything. And then you can add the travel disruption cover in there as well and protect yourself. It's it's, it's madness for people to travel without, and this sort of highlighted as well. But we're also seeing a spike in his wedding insurance. That's jumping over 4,000% because people either getting married abroad are now thinking, oh, what happens if my hotel gets in lockdown and I'm unable to get, you know, the reception have it there. And likewise, in Ireland, now it's on the island of Ireland, even though it's in Belfast at the moment. Um, people, people who are having weddings this year are getting nervous and saying, I have to have wedding insurance. So our wedding insurance.ie is flying out the door at the moment. Um, well, I, I, I would I would be amazed that anyone would book a wedding abroad and not have wedding insurance. Insurance. Oh, yeah, well, like travel. You'd say the same about travel. But um, yeah, look, I mean, just people, just be sensible about it. There, yeah. there is this theory around it. There's a higher number of people with normal influenza who are dying than coronavirus. So unless you're going into a region that has a high intensity, such as South Korea, Northern Italy, in those areas... You're going to be okay. And you're going to be You're hard. going to be okay. All right, listen, Kieran, thank you for that and thanks for joining us Robert. on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Kieran Mulligan, who joins us. He's Managing Director of uh, Multitrip.com. And a listener says, would it be safe to go up north? They've had one case of coronavirus and the lady isn't even particularly unwell because she hasn't been put into hospital. She is self-isolating at home. So yes, there is certainly has been no advice for people not to travel up north. 1853313103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. Now, unused are out of date medicine composed a real danger in the home. So, Cork Kerry Community Healthcare is asking the general public to use a free service to dispose of them over the next few weeks. Joining me with is HSE pharmacist Louise Creed. Good morning to you, Louise. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Now, you're asking people to bring their unused medicine to their local uh, pharmacies. It, can you go to any pharmacy or does it have to be the one where you purchase them from? You can go to any pharmacy in Cork or Kerry. Um, I suppose over 90% of pharmacies in Cork or Kerry are participating. So almost every pharmacy will take your unused or unwanted medicines 
back from you in the next six weeks and dispose of them free of charge as part of this campaign. Okay, it doesn't matter if you don't have the packaging, you only have the... the Not at all. No matter what condition it's in. Flushing tablets and medicine down the toilet or putting them in the bin is not recommended. No, absolutely not. Disposing of medicines in the rubbish bin, first of all, means they could be accessed by children or by pets. And obviously then they will go to landfill. And flushing medicines down the sink or the toilet means that the medicines residues will enter the environment through our water systems. Disposing them of them via landfill means that the medicine residue could permeate our soil. And even small amount of medicines can affect uh, ecosystems in that way. So we would ask that you never dispose of medicines in that means if you have unused or unwanted medicines that you return them to your pharmacy for safe disposal. And, and I'm assuming they're they're incinerated in they some are, way, are they? Yeah, yeah. Patricia, yeah. How how often do you do you feel we should clear out our medicine cabinets? Is it a yearly thing? You'd suggest. I would say certainly at least once a year we should go through our medicines cabinet and check the dates and remove anything that is out of date or no longer required. And what sort of dangers do uh, out of date or indeed unused medicines cause? Okay, so storing large quantities of medicines um, or out-of-date medicines at home can put people at risk of, for example, accidental poisonings, particularly at children. So in 2018, the National Poisons Information Centre in Dublin received over 10,000 inquiries involving poisons in humans. Now, 60% of those related to children under 10, and half of those in turn involved accidental poisonings with medicines. My God. So medicines at home should be stored up high in a safe place, out of the reach of children or other vulnerable people. Also, storing medicines at home can um, can lead to inappropriate sharing of medicines. So it's important that when medicines are prescribed for someone, that they're taken for that person and that person only. Um, sometimes with the best will in the world, people can share medicines that they no longer need themselves. And that can often um, have very poor outcomes as well. And do many households end up with unused medicines? I mean, bearing in mind, we're always told, you know, finish the course, make sure you finish the course. Yes. In reality, we don't. Some don't. Some don't, but also perhaps someone may be prescribed a medicine that may not suit them or agree with them. Oh, and of they course. stop taking it for yeah. that reason. Yeah. Um, and people with an ongoing illness may have medicines that are stopped for one reason or another and changed to a different medicine. And sadly, when someone passes away at home, there's very often a large amount of medicines left after their illness. So medicines can build up for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and elderly people, if they, particularly if they've been very, uh, are very unwell, there can be a lot of medicines in an elderly person's house. And I think for, uh, for people, maybe you know, when the grandchildren come visiting you, you know, maybe this is something you could give an elderly relative a help out by saying, "Look, I heard this on the radio. I can have you any old medicine you want to get rid of and do a bit of a clear out for them." Yes, absolutely. Most um, accidental poisonings involving children took place in either the child's home or that of a grandparent or a child. Oh my minor. God! Oh my God! And we just—you'd feel so dreadful to think that it could happen in in your house. I can imagine grandparents just be would be beside themselves. Um, somebody said, "Do all medicines have an expiry date?" All medicines have an expiry date, and the expiry date is there for a reason, and the same reason that you would have expiry dates on foods. 
um, after the expiry date, the medicine could do more harm than good. So people shouldn't use medicine once it's past its expiry date. And if you have medicines at home that are now gone out of date, this is an opportunity to clear them out and return them to your local pharmacy for safe disposal. And you've run these Dispose of Your Unused Medicines campaigns before. Did you gather up much medicines in the past? Yeah, we've run an annual Dispose of Unused Medicines campaign um, dispose of unused medicines properly or dump for short. We've run one annually since 2007 and we take in an average of about four tonnes worth of unwanted or out of date medication across Cork and Kerry in each campaign. That's a lot, isn't it? It is It is a lot, yes. Incredible, incredible. And is it only, someone wants to know, is it only prescribed medicines or do you accept over-the-counter medicines? No, we accept over-the-counter medicines, prescribed medicines, even veterinary medicines. What we can't take back as part of this campaign are sharps. So we can't take back needles or or any other sharps like that. But any medicines, be they over-the-counter, maybe something you bought in the health shop or health food shop, veterinary medicines, prescription medicines, any of those can be returned to your pharmacy as part of this campaign. And I was interested to read, uh, Louise, in the press release that you sent out that medicines shouldn't be stored in kitchens or bathrooms. That's right. Medicines shouldn't be stored anywhere where there is extremes of heat or moisture or fluctuations of heat or moisture. Or also medicines shouldn't be stored in, say, for example, on a windowsill where there is direct sunlight. And simply that's because the heat or the steam or the uh, temperature fluctuations can cause the medicine to de- degrade um, before its expiry date. So medicine should be stored in a cool, dry place, out of sunlight, away from direct heat. So, for example, not next to a radiator, not perhaps in the cupboard next to the cooker in the kitchen, never in the bathroom cabinet because of the steam and fluctuations and heat there. So keep your medicines in a cool, dry place out of the reach of children. That oh, that's really good advice. Seeing as you mentioned sharps, a listener says, could you please ask that lady, it's Louise Creed from the HC Pharmacist, how can I dispose of, I have a few sharps, how can I dispose of them? Probably the simplest way for members of the public to dispose of sharps is to take them back to their local health centre. Having made sure first that the health centre is open when they take back the sharps, in other words, we certainly don't want a situation where people leave sharps outside the door of a closed health centre, outside of opening hours. But your local health centre can take back the sharps. Also, if you were prescribed the sharps, perhaps at an outpatient clinic, um, if the medicine that you're prescribed at the outpatient clinic involves the use of sharps, you may be able to take them back to the hospital clinic. But I think the most accessible means, Patricia, for most people is to return them to their local health centre. Yeah, and you say give them a buzz to tell them that to, to, to find out that, that, that they are open. And somebody wants to know when we're talking about out-of-date medicines, would the tablets still work if they're out-of-date? It is. It can't be guaranteed that they would, Patricia, so okay. it's safer not to. The best advice. And not only may they not work, but there may have been bacterial growth uh, within the tablet if it's past its expiry date. So it, it may do more harm than good, which is why we would say never use medicines past their expiry date. OK, and the campaign is running, it started on Monday and it's through until the 4th of April. Until the 4th of April, as in, I say, in, in almost all pharmacies in Cork and Kerry. Well done, well done. Thank you for that, Louise. Okay, thank and you, thanks Patricia. for joining us. Bye-bye, HSC Pharmacist Louise Creed. John in Cork says way too much fear being generated around the coronavirus. He reckons it'll probably impinge on our constitutional rights in the future. And Vincent in Newmarket... Uh, 
agreeing as well. So there's absolute hysteria over this coronavirus. Bearing in mind that 76,000 people died in America last year from the flu. Not from the coronavirus, from the flu. Can I say best of luck to Katie O'Keefe from Canturk Boxing Club. I'm told Katie is competing tonight in Dublin. It's in the final of the senior cadets and everybody at the Canturk Boxing Club have been on and want to wish her the very best of luck. Luck. Luck flying the flag for Kenturk and indeed for Cork. Best of luck. That's uh, Katie O'Keefe tonight. Uh, keep an eye out for that in Dublin in the final of the senior cadets in boxing. Go all the way, Katie. And thank you to Ian Doyle, uh, the mayor of Cork County, who contacted us. He heard me mention the piece uh, about Elaine Crowley. It's in on page 15 today of today's Echo. Lovely piece all about uh, Elaine, but she's using the piece to promote the fact that she's chairing a series of talks, teen talks. The events are aimed at transition year students and they've been organised and coordinated by uh, Cork County Council. And the idea is that during the day, there is a session for the transition year students. And then the hope is that at night time, parents and teachers uh, will turn up. And I was saying that if we got the dates, we'd let people know because they're on in our area. They're child of a little island and uh, in Bantry. And they're going on in March and in April. And Ian Doyle, being the mayor of Cork County, of course knew the information. He says Tuesday the 25th of March is the date uh, where it's going to be held in Charleville, Charleville Park Hotel, 9am until 1 for the transition year students. Then Tuesday the 31st of March they'll be in the Radisson Blue on Little Island again 9am until 1 and then Thursday the 2nd of April the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry from 9 until 1 so they're the morning sessions for the transition year students and then each of those nights Thursday the 25th of March in Charleville Tuesday the 31st of March in the Radisson Blue and Thursday the 2nd of April in the West Lodge Hotel in uh, Bantry the the session the evening session in all of those venues will be for parents and teachers between 7 and half, half past uh, 8 and a fantastic opportunity for teenagers to discuss aspects and things that are worrying them and things that are you know and I, I think in a setting like that that they'll do it in the morning with Elaine and Elaine will get the very best out of those young people have them all chatting and then you know she can then go with that information at night to talk to the parents and teachers so I think it's a really really good concept well done to Cook County Council uh, for coming up uh, with it 1850 333 103 Denise Simplarney was on here's an interesting one she found out only yesterday by accident and I don't know if I knew this either that smoke alarms have an expiry date. She said they only last about 10 years and it was her electrician told her and if you look there's a little label on all of our fire extinguishers with a expiry date. So take a look at that. I I, knew, I know we were told to check the batteries. Surely once the battery is changed but the actual unit itself because I'm trying to think how long it, the smoke alarm that I've on the in my house, I certainly up. Is it up more than 10 years or did I replace it at some stage because it was playing up? I may have. I know I have one of the electrical ones in another part of the house, but that's an electric one. Do, do they only have a 10 year lifespan as well? Because that one is definitely up more than uh, 10 years. I was unaware of that, but good, good piece of advice for all of us because we're always encouraging people to make sure they have smoke alarms in their house and you kind of rest easy thinking that's there, it's been there since God was a child uh, only to discover that it mightn't be working properly. But if you test your smoke alarm, you know we're meant to press the button. Now I know that's something I don't do. I do it, I certainly don't do it every month like we're meant to do it. Press the little red button, even though usually I'll burn something in the kitchen and the one in the hall will go off so I do know it's working. But 
I, I, I didn't know there was an expiry date, no, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of other people didn't uh, either. So thank you, uh, Denise, for sharing that piece of information with us. Also coming in, coronavirus still getting so many calls about coronavirus. Marie in Middleton, should we be aware of the coronavirus when we're out buying fresh bread and fresh scones in supermarkets? You know, the ones that are out on display and you pick the ones that you want. Anyone could have coughed or touched them. Are people nervous about that? Should we be aware of uh, that? Um, Pat Infomoy was watching BBC TV last night and they actually did a piece on the washing of hands uh, and he, said, he was quite taken aback he said we really are not washing our hands uh, properly he said looking at this piece that they showed uh, you really have to wash your hands uh, uh, but your thumbs have to be washed thor- thoroughly and when you think about it when you put the soap on your you have to, I'm, I'm washing my hands here you can hear me do it in the record um, you wash your hands your, your thumbs or something like, like, do you individually wash your thumbs seemingly that's what you're meant to do to make sure that it's absolutely washed correctly and hand hygiene now more than ever is so very very important even for the ordinary flu or for any kind of a virus uh, any kind of an illness washing your hands is, is is really important and actually somebody said it was on somebody said Virgin Media had a piece on hand washing as well which was really important so we all need to look at how we wash our hands and make sure that we are washing them properly and then Colin and Butterfront was on he says thinks we're spreading hysteria about the virus and you know something Colin yeah, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't I've been we've been getting so many calls about the coronavirus all week we couldn't ignore it we had to do something about it so many people were contacting us and I'm deliberately trying not to spread hysteria because that's why I keep emphasising to people that more people die of flu every year than die of coronavirus and I know everyone's talking about it at the moment but we can't ignore it and not talk about it that's why I try and bring experts on that's why I brought on Dr Nick Flynn yesterday uh, from a GP to talk about it that's why I brought Kieran today to talk about those who want to travel and the importance of travel insurance and to try to allay people's fears that for the majority of people if God forbid you did end up with coronavirus you're not going to become you know very unwell everyone isn't going to die it isn't like a plague that's going to kill uh, everyone so you know I'm trying in passing on the information column to not spread his, his, his hysteria he says also when, when we mentioned the piece on travel insurance he does a lot of travelling on three occasions he had to claim on his travel insurance he said they fought him all the way he ended up in, in, going to the small claim courts three times he won three times very frustrating, he said, dealing with insurance companies. Uh, I think a lot of people will probably agree with you on that one for sure. Tim and Yall says, uh, but thank you, Colin, for contacting us. Even if even if I disagree, I, I, I hope we're not spreading hysteria. You're discussing coronavirus or COVID-19. Here's Tim and Yall getting the correct name of it. It is COVID-19. You're discussing it on your programme about people going on holidays to other countries. And I want to sound over the top here, however. What about people coming here and staying in hotels, bed and breakfasts, Airbnbs, just staying in accommodation in general? In other words, you're bringing people into your house or your home who may have the virus unknown to you and indeed unknown to themselves. The reality is people are going to be slow to tell you if they have been to countries where the virus is present and prominent. And this is understandable. But is it a consideration at this moment in time? Have we got to that stage yet, says Tim and Yall. Well, Tim, earlier in the week, we got an email in from a lady who was a B&B who had her B&B fully booked for the West Cork rally, which is coming up in March. And all of the people staying were from northern Italy. And she contacted them 
and said that um, she cancelled their booking because she was nervous about it. So some people are. Some people are at that stage where they are uh, nervous about it. Thanks for your text. Another listener says, Hi Patricia, I see that the HSE have no protocols in place for home help carers. Surely they should be provided with alcohol-based hand gel, etc. After all, it's the elderly who we are told are most likely to be affected by this virus. What's the protocol if they've arrived back from a holiday in Tenerife or Italy or China? Uh, are any of the countries that have travel restrictions? There's up to 14 flights a day coming in from Italy to Dublin. Do we need to start putting travel restrictions in place, says this listener? Then M says, well, you know your EU blue card, does that cover you abroad if you travel somewhere and there's an outbreak of coronavirus and it breaks out while you're there? Are you covered on your EU blue card? Now, I'm assuming you're talking about what I still call the E111, a lot of people refer to it as the E111, it's the Europe Health Insurance Card and that will cover you and yes, I mean if you get sick when you're on holidays it, it, the, the European Health Insurance Card lets you get healthcare in another EU or EU economic area state for free or at a reduced cost. It covers you if you're on a holiday or a short-term stay. And a short-term stay is generally a period of less than three months. So yes, if you get unwell while you're on holidays, your 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 EU card will cover you. But I, I'd still, if I'm travelling anywhere, while well, I'll have that card with me anywhere in Europe. And I have used that actually in Europe. I've used it in, in Ibiza. Twice, actually, we've had to use a fantastic service and we paid little or nothing to, it was Marcia got unwell, to see a doctor and then we went and got her prescription and it was little or nothing. A fantastic system, but I still wouldn't travel without, I still have my travel insurance with me. But yes, you will be covered if you're in an EU country. Kerry Lister, hi Patricia, I'm post-heart surgery, second time, and I also suffer from asthma. I travel to hospital monthly for ongoing treatment and I'm doing well, but I'm absolutely petrified. The consequences of getting onto a packed Lewis with people sneezing and in close proximity uh, gives me no chance at all. Great show. Says a Kerry listener. You see, people like that, my heart goes out to you. There are people, that's when I'm trying to, and I know Cullum says we're, we're, we're making it worse, but when I'm talking about almost trying to play it down, for people in the general public, if God forbid any of us got coronavirus, we'd be unwell, but we, you know, the majority of us would survive it. But somebody like that with a compromised immune system, that's why I get annoyed when I hear about that man who's come back from, from northern Italy and has some kind, has picked up some kind of cold or flu or some kind of a virus and is not doing anything about it. If he comes into close proximity with somebody like that or other people who have got you know, immune system is, is compromised. You know, that guy might be okay. He'll survive the coronavirus, but he could pass it on to somebody else, you know, who mightn't be as lucky. So, yeah, my heart goes out to you. I, I, I mean, just do everything that you possibly can, all the good hand hygiene uh, and, and all of that. I'd love to say that you try to get one of those masks when you're on the Lewis or any other public transport, even though they say that they don't give you, they don't give you a lot of protection. But... Just good hand hygiene. Just be careful where you are. I would have a little thing of that, you know, the little hand gel. Have it with me all the time. Wherever you, wherever you are, keep your hands, you know, washing your hands constantly. Don't put your hands anywhere near your face, you know, your your nose, your mouth, your eyes, unless they're scrupulously uh, clean. And 
but yeah I, I, I feel your pain and you're not alone there are a lot of people feeling that very same way as well and somebody wants to know where the man who may have the virus won't get tested where is he from we're not we're just saying North Cork because I do again for column's sake column I don't want to cause panic in any area someone else says seeing that the coronavirus is now on the island of Ireland with the first case in Belfast why, do, why doesn't the HSC or the government take over an empty hotel and prepare it as an isolation hospital and actually have it ready because we know there will be more cases in this country. There is an isolation ward in, I think it's St Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, isn't there? There's just one ward with 12 beds in it. And uh, you'd just you be fearful, wouldn't you, if a lot of people became unwell, those 12 beds could fill up very, very quickly. You just don't want to happen what's happening in Italy and how quickly it's spreading over there. If that's not a bad idea, could they not have something ready? Look how quick the Chinese built their their hospital. Now, I know it was done with port cabins but they managed in, was it seven days, to get a 1,000-bedded unit ready for people who needed hospitalisation. Now, I don't think we could ever do something like that, but maybe something like a, host, a hotel could be taken over, an empty one, and just get it ready. Just, you know, have it all cleared out and just ready uh, to go. And Tom in from Moy says, Patricia, I think the entire world should go into total lockdown now. The virus could actually wipe us all out. It's very frightening. No, we see it can't. The virus can't wipe us all out. But limiting travel, maybe. And, and I know there's already talks about doing that. We just need to limit travel. And I know governments are advising people not to travel. But also, do we need to stop some of the flights coming out of countries where we know that the virus is rampant at the moment? 1850-333-103. Barney taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Customer service representatives are wanted. This is for work in Little Island. While community employment positions are available in Kilbritton, Barry Rowe, Court McSherry, Timaleague, and in Clonakilty. An Arctic driver is wanted for milk collection. It's in the West Limerick and North Cork uh, areas. And an office administrator is wanted for work in Boherbui. You need to have good computer skills. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Going online now, just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the fight to prevent any potential downgrading to Bantry Hospital continues this week with two public meetings taking place. One was last night in Skipperine and there's another tonight in Bantry. Joining me from the Save Bantry Hospital campaign is uh, Vanessa O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Vanessa. Good morning to you. And you're welcome. How did last night's meeting go? It was at the West Cork Hotel in Skipperine. It was really, really positive. There was about 100 people at the meeting um, and I think everyone there were were done talking. Um, now, we do have a meeting with the HSC uh, next week on the hospital and for us, we wanted to get people to bring their stories, which they did, um, and to say, okay, if they don't 
um, give us the protections of the, the acute services and the anaesthetists, where do we go from there? And what was clear from last night was that different people are being di- told different things from the HSE. For, for example? For example, there are groups that are being told that the anaesthetist will, uh, job will be advertised two months in advance of the current anaesthetist retiring. So he's already other, re- hasn't he already retired? He hasn't retired yet. He hasn't? We have 18 months with him. Okay, uh, all right. Okay, so go on. There, there's that issue. Uh, other people are being told that the seven-day-week service uh, for the acute services will stay. We need it for 24 hours. Yeah. And until they actually tell us 24 hours are safe, uh, we have to continue. And then there's other groups being told there will be a full, uh, proper uh, recruitment for the anaesthetist job. We're not told how that will go. Uh, So different people are being told different things and they're not expecting us to talk to each other about what's happening. And Vanessa, last night when you asked people to share their personal stories, and and I know you were looking at them in written form, did people actually talk about their own personal stories? They did. We had um, people there who had been over 30 years in the ambulance service uh, and saw the ambulance service and the hospital service change over the last 10, 15 years. Um, We've had people who have gone to CUH and they're saying, you know, once you get past the emergency department and CUH, they are absolutely fantastic, but it's getting past the ED and it's getting to the emergency yeah. department. Um, and obviously people telling their stories of being in Bantry Hospital, um, how the medical assessment unit has helped them, uh, in, in, especially in the recent past, um, and how scared they are and the fear that's coming from them because the HSE refused to clarify their position. That's what shone through last night, that people are not buying these statements that they're issuing that are unsigned, that are unclear. People are afraid. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, stop that panic that's spreading throughout West Cork at the moment. And medical staff, both at the hospital and doctors, the wonderful GPs that are dotted right across West Cork, they're all really concerned. And that's that's what would really worry me when you have the medical profession concerned. Yes. So what the doctors have come out and told us uh, very publicly and very plainly is if Bantry Hospital, if the medical units in Bantry Hospital are reduced to a nine to five, which is what's been proposed at the moment, um, if they're reduced to a nine to five, we won't get the junior doctors. Uh, going into the, the hospital because they, they're looking for a more permanent, more 24-hour uh, practice. And you will not be able to retain GPs. Uh, we have... Well, that's already an issue. Yeah, we have about 20% of our GPs in West Cork that are coming up on retirement age and they're afraid to retire now because um, they won't get the replacement. So this is this goes beyond just the hospital itself. This is the whole of West Cork, the healthcare service and the whole of West Cork, the South Dock, the GP, um, the nursing, this goes beyond just the hospital. It's the knock-on effect that will last for the next 50 years if this isn't sorted out very, very quickly. Okay, you, have you a date for this meeting with the HSC? Um, it's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Who exactly, uh, who's representing the Safe Bantry Hospital and who will you meet from the HSC? We're not sure um, at the... 
the meeting was with Jerry O'Dwyer's office, so we're hoping that Jerry O'Dwyer will come out and will meet with us and take us seriously. And he um, ultimately makes the decision, doesn't he? He he is the CEO of the South by Southwest yeah. Hospital Group. So he will be him and the HSE in Dublin are the ultimate people who will be making the decision. But he's a major key player, so yeah. we're hoping to meet with him or the people directly under him. Um, and for us, for me specifically, I'm a carer in West Cork. Um, we have one of the GPs or maybe two of the GPs that will be coming with us. We have uh, an, a paramedic that will be coming with us and a few people, members of the public that have used Bantry Hospital and rely heavily on those acute services in Bantry Hospital. And when you say you're a carer, are you a full-time carer at home or do you work in the community as a carer? I'm a full-time carer at home on Cape Fear Island. And who, do you mind me asking who do you look after? Um, his name is Ed Harper. He's the ghost oh, farmer Ed. on Cape yeah. Fear, yeah. Oh, I know it well. So I know I, Ed, I'm uh. his carer. I'm pretty okay. much the reason why he's able to stay in his home at the moment because he has the full-time care. So you would know how important the service is for somebody like Ed when Ed would need to get to a doctor or I'm assuming he's used Bantry Hospital. Yeah. So just, just to clarify for your listeners who don't know Ed, I know a lot of them would, Ed is, is blind. He's, um, he's fully blind. Uh, so it's not a case of him just hopping on um, a ferry and hopping out onto a bus and getting to Bantry Hospital. It's a lot more complicated than that. And for us on the island, it's a hell of a lot more complicated because we also rely on the lifeboats, on the air ambulance, which is at threat at the moment, and on the ambulance service itself. Um, so just to give a quick example of ourselves, he had, um, not too long ago, he had abdominal issues because there's no surgical staff or the surgical staff is there two days a week, which is being extended to five days a week. He was brought to CUH uh, and he was nine and a half hours left on a trolley. Um, then a couple of months later, his blood, pre- blood pressure plummeted and he was brought to Bantry and he was there for 10 days getting every test under the sun from the, his heart to his blood pressure. So, And the quality of care and the fact that it was local meant that um, people who know Ed know he knows he has a dog. His dog hadn't retired at that stage. We were able to bring the dog over to Bantry and bring him out to see the dog. We were able to visit him, whereas in CUH it's a two-day trek if we actually want to get to CUH to visit him. Yeah. So, I mean, the quality of care and everything that exists in Bantry Hospital is so special for people here. And catchment area is between eighty-two to 86,000 people. So this is not a small hospital. This is not a small issue. It is huge. Do you know something, Vanessa? When And we've been, obviously, for many years talking about Bantry Hospital on this programme everybody speaks about the quality of care uh, and the, the and people are so passionate about this hospital it just means so much to so many people and there isn't a family in West Cork that hasn't been touched in some way by Bantry Hospital Yeah and the problem is the people that are making the decisions have never been west of Bantry they don't see what we have to go through just to get to our hospital regardless of anything else the staff in Bantry Hospital, the staff in uh, the, the um, West Cork GPs are absolutely phenomenal. And we should not be in any way, shape or form putting that at risk. Even suggesting to put that at risk, when they took away our emergency department, our A&E, we were all so scared. Now, thankfully, the medical assessments unit and the injuries unit worked well. 
for where we're at, but to bring that down to a nine to five service in in the hopes of getting rid of it altogether is so dangerous. Uh, it, it doesn't and that's and that's the, that's the fear of this. It's closure by stealth. They'll they'll knock it back to nine to five, exactly and then people, that. yeah. And and even though, and I know the HSE constantly say we've no plans to downgrade, and you get these gorgeous flowery statements where they say no plans to downgrade, and they'll they'll use the line that well, you know. Can, can I can I actually just come in on that because technically they're correct. See, they think that by keeping it a seven-day service and closing the doors at five o'clock, that's not a downgrade. Yeah, they on paper, it's yeah, on paper, it's not a downgrade, but well, it is if it's, it's a massive. Of course, massive if it's if it's if it's open twenty-four-seven and it goes to a ninety-five, there's no other way of putting it except it's a downgrade. So, exactly. what do you want from the HSE that would fully allay people's fears? What do you well, want them to come out and say? we want them to do is advertise the post before the anesthesiologist retires we need that post replaced okay because they're using that as a battering ram to reduce the service to a nine-to-five and the second thing is we need them to stop saying seven day a week service we need a 24 7 service and when they come out and actually start saying 24 hours seven day a week then we can be satisfied that they're actually taking this seriously. But until it is signed, because none of the statements that they've produced so far have been signed by someone in the HSE high up, they've actually been just generic uh, PR stunt to us. We need it signed. We need to know who the person is that is making this decision so that we can come back in on them if they try to cut it in the future. Okay, somebody wants to know, could you ask Vanessa, uh, please, when it comes to Bantry Hospital, can a person send in a letter if somebody isn't able to make uh, either of the meetings? Is it possible to put their thoughts down on paper and send a letter in? Yes. Um, So our email address is savebantryhospital at gmail.com. So if you want to send us a letter, we will print it off and we will hand it straight to the HSE on Tuesday. And that is not all. Uh, we will be on uh, the Bantry St. Patrick's Day Parade as a contingent. Uh, just to remind <laughs> what, you're people a f- that you're having here. a float. <laughs> oh, we are. Uh, and, and we'll also be, look, this isn't just an issue. And I have to stress this. This isn't just an issue for West Cork. Because if West Cork goes down, West Cork will flood Cork City. Yeah, and so yeah. at the end of the month, if we're not giving our, giving our guarantees, we are busting it to Cork and we are taking the fight to you guys because you guys need to be behind us and understand how stretched. There was um, a GP there last night that said there's about 60 patients going through the, the, um, the acute medical services a day. 60 more people are going to CUH whether you like it or not if and, Bantry and, is downgraded. Yeah, and, we, and we only this week had CUH yet again with a record number of people on trolleys. Okay, so in the, in another meeting tonight, uh, you're encouraging people to go along, Vanessa? Yes, absolutely. We need those stories, we need people behind them and we need the visibility. Okay. All right. Listen, we'll talk again uh, and send on our best wishes to Ed, would you please? Of course. And, I will. Thank and, you very, and very lovely much. to talk to you. Take care. Bye bye. Vanessa O'Sullivan there on behalf of the Save Bantry Hospital. And Declan Hurley, who's the chairperson of the Friends of Bantry General Hospital, uh, was on to, uh, with an email 
asking me to thank everyone who signed their online petition to date to stop the downgrading of Bantry Hospital. At present, they have over 20,000 people have signed the petition and they're urging the public to please keep signing it. They've been getting numerous requests, though, to also issue hard copies of the petition as not everyone has access to the internet. So this week, they've been distributing petition sheets to the following locations around West Cork and more locations will be added in the coming weeks. So if you want to sign, you haven't signed online, you don't have access to online and you would like to physically sign one of these petitions, you can pop into uh, Minahan's Bar in Lachine, Drina Cream Creamery in Ahadam, the Health Food Shop on North Street in Skibbereen, Glengariff Pharmacy, Glengariff Post Office, Pegs XL, that's of course in Adrigal, Castletown Bear Pharmacy, Castletown Bear Post Office and John Terry's in Allihies. And when they feel that they've collected all of the signatures possible, that they're going to present them to the HSE on behalf of the people of West Cork. And Declan just wants to say thank you to everyone for their continued support. That's uh, Declan Hurley from the chairperson of the Friends of Bantry Hospital. But that second public meeting is on tonight. Maritime Hotel in Bantry at half past seven. If you're going along and you want to share a personal story and you've it written out, please bring it along with you. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls if you want to text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And uh, somebody by text, I don't know, said, uh, listen to that lady you're chatting to that uh, was uh, Vanessa O'Sullivan on behalf of the Save Bantry Hospital. Isn't she well able to talk? She'd make a great politician. Do you know something when I was speaking to her? I actually thought that. I was thinking, could she be a great politician? <laughs> she really is great. And she's a full time carer for, for Ed Harper, the. the as he the goat farmer out on Bear Island who is uh, blind uh, but yeah she's well able well able to uh, speak and that second meeting is on tonight in Bantry now to move to something completely different Stellify Media are currently looking for people to take part in series two of the RTE programme Goodbye House to find out more I'm joined by the casting producer and that's Anya O'Neill good morning to Anya Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, you're, you're welcome. Now, remind the listeners what Goodbye House is all about. Steve. The first series yeah. was last year. Absolutely. Well, look, do you know what? Last year, what we were doing was for Goodbye House, we were specifically looking for downsizers. So anyone that was looking to sell their property that was, say, moving out of the family home they'd been in for a number of years, maybe the kids have all flown the nest, they were looking for, you know, something smaller, a bit cosier, that kind of thing. Whereas after the show had aired, we got so many different calls and contacts from various different people on all scales of the property ladder. So first time buyers and various different things. And what we did was for Series 2 now, we're casting the net a bit wider. So we're opening it up to everyone, I guess, who's looking to buy a property, sell their property, move house, you know, first time buyers, that kind of thing. And the the concept of it is that it's family and, and our friends who help to pick the house. Absolutely. Well, look, these are supposed to be the people that know you the most. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what you do is you would pick three people that are quite close to you and who you think, you know, you could kind of trust. You would give them your little wish list and then they would go off and have to do all the, I suppose, the hard grass and to go and find you the house that you want to want to get, you know. So they're doing all the hard work for you. <laughs> and did all the people in the last series successfully find their new home and actually move? Yeah, in different ways. So our probably our biggest success story was Bernie Walsh. Um, 
from Dublin. So basically, Bernie had was convinced that she wasn't even going to move, that she's never going to find her property. Even throughout the episode, um, viewers will remember that her son had showed her a ghastly property and she was devastated and shocked by this so much that she was like, this isn't for me. But then at the end, she actually went and bought something completely different, had moved, so was able to downsize into a duplex, which she actually said at the start that she didn't want to even view duplexes. So in terms of all the success stories, we had three that went on to, say, get their new property and their new house. But then from that, we've also had various different people that have bought similar properties. So if not the ones from the series that their loved one had first shown them, they actually went and got better ideas as to what they actually did want. So it was a win-win in, in both situations, you know. And of course, the, the real advantage for people who want to downsize you can end up being mortgage free or if you are already mortgage free you can end up with a nice little nest egg inside in the bank that's it and I suppose because series one was focusing just on downsizers that was the benefit for all of them they all wanted to that was on their wish list they wanted to have a little nest egg to be able to travel whereas this what we're doing is because we're looking even at, at first time buyers so anyone that's only stepping onto the property ladder and they kind of would give us their budget. And then look, they have all our resources that are being thrown at them as well with the help of their friends and family to find them a property that suits their budget as well, you know? Yeah, obviously you guys help out. It isn't just, you're not just leaving the friends off. You'll be helping them to select. Ah, absolutely. It's the friends, I suppose. Like they come to us then with their ideas. So they might say, look, you know, for example, I'm Patricia's, Patricia's sister. I think Patricia would like this type of property in this type of area. Sure, we have to we have to give them a hand then with that. You know, we might show them a few properties for them to look at. So they're doing the property shopping behind the scenes as well with us, you know. Listen, I have a sister with a great sense of humour. I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her because I could imagine what she would what she would persuade you I would love. Anyway, uh, is if you've lived in a house for many, many years, Anya, is it can it be hard to say goodbye? Yeah, and that's you know, and that's what we love so much. I think about series one. It was them emotional stories that came with it, with the the move. I suppose so. You know, we'd like Anne Walsh from episode one. Her husband had actually bought this house and had built it up and expanded it and done everything. And throughout her her kind of thoughts about moving, she found a little letter from him where he actually said thank you for for her helping him with his dream. So she knew, she said, when I'm saying goodbye to this house, I'm saying goodbye to his dream also. Now he had passed on. So that was a big one for, I think, viewers at home. You know, the two yeah. were definitely out that night. Yeah, it was, it's a fantastic, fantastic concept. And it was, it was, it, well done to you guys. It was, it was really, really was great. But oh. we, we have a housing crisis. Will it be challenging to find suitable properties for the person to select? It absolutely would, you know, but in two different ways. So there's a positive, there's a negative to that. The person who's looking to buy is usually struggling at the moment, as you said, because there's a big property crisis and we heard all about it in the election. Whereas what this is actually doing then, that's going to help them people. That's giving them an extra push in the door, an extra foot, extra hands to kind of be searching. So they're going to be in a better situation as opposed to, say, the likes of myself and yourself, Patricia, that might think, well, look, I'll go on to that. So, you know, start looking out this morning. You have resources behind you. You have a production team. And, of course, you have your family and friends as well. So it's, it's definitely for the positive for the person. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So how do people apply to be considered for the programme? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. Look, we're on all the social medias at Goodbye House. So you'll get us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, and it's Goodbye House. You can also email myself at goodbyehouse at 
stellifymedia.com. But if you even search my own name, Anya O'Neill, and put Goodbye House in, all the information will come up as how you can get in touch with us. Okay. And when do you hope to film? So we're hoping that's going to go for over a couple of months. So we're kind of starting to film with our first family actually in April. Okay. That will go on for another couple of months. So although we have been saying to people just because of the demand at the moment, we're trying to get as many of the people that want to um, apply to get into us before March. But obviously, look, if someone comes across this and it's April and they think they might not, not qualify, they can still get in touch with us. And as well, Patricia, it's worth noting that this could be something that people are only considering maybe even putting their house up for sale. They could be still a year away from it, but we can still actually help them with that as well. Okay, and you, when does it when does it hit our screens? It's an autumn programme, isn't it? It is an autumn yeah. programme, so we're looking at around September, October, but I'll definitely come back on and keep you updated. Please do, exactly. please, please do. Do, it, it, do you love working on it? I do know, I absolutely yeah. do, and it's, it's do you know what, for me, I think, I, I, like, I'm, I'm 32, I'm still living at home. One of these people, you know, couldn't afford the rent in Dublin, had to move back home. So, speaking to younger couples then that are in this situation and they're just reaching the end of their tether but we're actually able to help them by with their friends and family people they trust and maybe give them the help that they wouldn't get outside of the show so yeah it's very rewarding for me anyway and you definitely want you want participants from all over the country all over the country yeah, yeah absolutely all over the country on on this island um, so everyone can apply okay. basically anyone that's looking for property shopping at the moment okay we wish you luck with it we'll talk again Anya thank you for that thank you for thanks for joining care. us bye bye casting uh, producer Anya O'Neill and goodbye house if uh, you think that show is for you and you'd like to take part it's great to have a team like that behind you they could just maybe just be able to find your forever home for you uh, contact them please 1850 Bernie taking your calls a couple of texts and calls in about Bantry Hospital um, Anne in West Cork says absolutely Bantry Hospital is fantastic and everybody says that the staff are lovely but Anne says there's one member of staff who obviously we're not going to name who Anne says can be rude and there's a a lot of people talk about this staff member as the one staff member can uh, leave. You're always, listen, no matter where you go, you'll find somebody who just for whatever reason doesn't have those people skills, but it certainly won't take away from the great hospital that is Bantry General Hospital. And Rose from Tara Shock was on to say they're running a petition and uh, from Bantry Hospital and actually Rose and Tara Shock were one of the first to have a petition uh, inside in the shop and people can still sign their petition as well. She said they've got hundreds upon hundreds of signatures uh, already. So feel free to pop in to Rose and the gang in Tarish Jock. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. VIP style. With Amigoloans.ie on C103. Just before news at 12, I played a Billy Joel track. You all got texting, you all got WhatsApping, and we are heading to Bantry to Annette Nicholas, who joins me on the line. Good afternoon to you, Annette. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm not too bad. How was your Friday? Oh, well, wet and misty, but <laughs> even better to talk with you. Well, it could get better now if we get you one step closer Please, and get you into the final. Are you a Billy Joel fan? Oh, I love all the oldie stuff. Do you? Do you? Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. Every one of these songs are great. They really are terrific. I'm, I'm rockers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving playing them all. Okay, we have a question for you, of which I'll give you an A and a B answer. And the question is, finish this Billy Joel lyric. Uptown girl, she's been living in her uptown. Is it A, street, or B, world? World. She's been living in her uptown world. <laughs> 
Well done, well done. Congratulations to you, Annette. Thank you are you now so you're into the final. Um, who do you bring with you if you win? I suppose I'll have to bring the hubby turning the big five over this year. So. Oh, <laughs> see, you'd be, and, and when is his birthday? April. And and the, and this is for the second of May. What a great fiftieth yeah. birthday present! Exactly. You won't have to buy him anything, Annette. That's yeah. for sure. Listen, have a lovely weekend. <laughs> you too. <laughs> Thanks Take for joining care. us. Bye bye, Annette Nicholas in Bantry, becoming our qualifier for today. We'll have more qualifiers this afternoon with Nick, with Martina, and with uh, Eric. Now it's B- Billy Joel in the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden, 2nd of May. Return flights, three nights in New York. VIP tickets uh, to see the man himself. Skip the line admission to the Empire State Building and you've got a three-course dinner and drinks at a New York restaurant. It's a wonderful, wonderful competition. We've another week of it, by the way. If you don't qualify today, we'll be doing it again for a second week next week. That's Billy Joel in the Big Apple with AmigoLoans.ie only on Cork's Greatest Hits C103. Now, 1850-333-103, we have a number of... Let me just click on that. Now, we have a number of comments uh, to get through from uh, listeners contacting the programme. Where will I go first? Let me go to some of your texts that have come in. Oh, firstly, this is a nice thank you. This is Esther has been on to us to say, Patricia, uh, thanks, uh, thank you for contacting AIR on my behalf regarding my phone and internet when I found it almost impossible to get through to them uh, myself. A rep from AIR contacted me very promptly and listened to my comments. She's looking at putting better policies in place for their customers. She dealt with the fault very professionally and I've had my connection back very quickly. So I'd like to thank Christine, Christina from AIR, but most of all to all at C103 as John Paul is off this week. Can you pass on my thanks to him? He is the best, says Esther. I will indeed and glad to know that you did get sorted out. I, I and, and I do find I find that frustrating that we've got to the media have to get involved or we have to threaten that we'll get the media, you know, threaten. Oh, we'll put it out on air for people to get stuff done. But it does get done. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting through to the right person, I think, as well. But well done to whoever that lady is, Christina from air sorting out Esther and good to know that you're back up and running again because it can be very very frustrating to be without a phone line and to be without the internet as well. Uh, Bantry Hospital we were talking about that in the last hour texter says Bantry Hospital's problems are the results of now this is what's written in this text the Fianna's running the country and this, do, are you saying Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and you're putting them, you're calling them the collective, the Fianna's, is that what you're saying? Uh, where do you think the money for the dearest hospital in the world is going to come from? Where do you think the staff is going to come from? From all the peripheral areas everywhere outside of Dublin. So a listener, and that's, you're not the first that have linked any kind of downgrading at any hospital outside of Dublin and saying that how much of it is to actually do with the children's hospital, the huge children's hospital that just seems to be going over overrun uh, every single time. Uh, every, single, every turn there seems to be an add-on to it. Uh, good morning. Oh, and my apologies that I'm late with this. I should have got to this one earlier. It says, do you say hello to, to Chrissy and Paddy O'Sullivan and from Boy? They're having a late breakfast. That was about an hour ago. Nice late breakfast. If it was now, it would be a brunch. And I'm assuming they're well finished and tidied up and everything and that they've really enjoyed it. So good afternoon. It is this stage to Chrissy and Paddy O'Sullivan. OK, coronavirus. Let me see what's in. Oh, before we go to coronavirus, uh, John has contacted us from Blackpool in the city. Patricia, I was just listening to your show. Uh, could you find out something for me? You mentioned 
we, when we mentioned fire extinguish, what well, we didn't, we mentioned smoke alarms. Could you find out from me, please, about fire extinguishers? I got a council house. I live in a council house in Blackpool. The council will not give me a fire extinguisher. Should they be giving me a fire extinguisher, says uh, John? I'm 65 years old, even though I don't, I don't know what, what your your age does. Your age come into it or not? Um, I've never heard of the council giving out fire extinguishers. Does anybody know? Is there any scheme whereby the council give out fire extinguishers? I'm assuming if you feel you need a fire extinguisher, that the council will say you need to go get it yourself. Or maybe there is some kind of a scheme out there for a council tenant age 65 and over. Maybe there is. Does anybody know for John? He's looking for advice. He wants a fire extinguisher. He says he's been on to the council and they won't give him one. Now, I'm assuming when they say they won't give you one, they won't give you one because they don't give them to anybody else. Is that the reason that you haven't been singled out as the only person where you're living not to get a fire extinguisher? 1850-333-103 on the coronavirus. Tim says, because of the origin of the coronavirus, i.e. it started in China, we can never be sure of the facts and so far we cannot be too careful. Remember the Chernobyl explosion in 1986? It was Sweden who discovered something was wrong. That was before the Soviet Union decided to admit that anything was wrong. Now Tim says I'm not comparing the two but not every country has the same value on open information and that's always a worry. Yeah, Always a worry when, when something like that happens in a country like China. Absolutely for sure. I would agree with you on uh, that. And Una says, uh, Patricia, thank you for covering the coronavirus one. And everybody's happy we're covering it. Una is. What about the 100 cruise liners, says Una, some of which have about 4,000 passengers arriving into Cove and they'll be starting to come from March onwards. They'll be taking bus tours all around the area, shopping and meeting with people, many working in the tourism sector. They come from many different countries around the world. Many workers will be spending their days welcoming these visitors to their shores. Has that been thought about? Thanking you, says uh, Una. Uh, Yeah, you see, it still hasn't been deemed a pandemic. And I'm wondering if it does, if the coronavirus does get named as a pandemic, will that change things? Will that that change the way we're handling it, the way countries are handling it? At the moment, there's just advisories on countries that you shouldn't travel to. Uh, But they haven't stopped flights yet. I mean, they're not stopping any flights going in and out of any countries. I mean, a number of people are saying that do we need to look at Italy because there's so many flights between Ireland and Italy. I don't know about China. I don't know if we have that many flights between Ireland and China that that they would be halted. So, yeah, I I, I simply don't know. There's, there's this, this is one of those stories that's just, it's, it's almost changing every single day. John and Cove is, is another one saying we should change the subject and stop talking about it, find something else to talk about. The only people who will gain from the virus are the big pharmaceutical companies. Well, it's whoever comes up with the vaccine first is the one that's going to make money. But I don't, again, I don't know if we should stop talking about it. I don't think, I think burying our heads in the sand and hoping it'll go away is not going to be of any use to us. And we, we need to just try and keep people as informed as possible. Nancy in Bantry says, are our politicians still going abroad for St. Patrick's Day? Also, Nancy and Bantry would like to say three cheers to Bantry Hospital. OK, I do have a piece on the minister's. This is the latest coming out today. The, the St. Patrick's Day programme of travel for the government, for the ministers. It is certainly going to be curtailed. They're saying that there will be fewer than 12 
trips. So fewer than 12 ministers will be selected. Sources have said that while health officials are monitoring the ongoing international coronavirus, the overarching reason for the containment of government ministers is nothing to do with the coronavirus. It is to do with the government formation talks. And obviously we still don't have a government in place. So I suppose they think it, it would be wrong to send all of the ministers that they normally send uh, abroad for St. Patrick's Day. A decision is due to be made next week on the exact itinerary for the different ministers, but priority will be given to the trips that are most politically and economically advantageous. Now, the Taoiseach's visit to the White House, obviously that's going ahead to meet with US President Donald uh, Trump uh, and it's Leo Varadkar will go because he is acting in the caretaker capacity as Taoiseach. The length of the trip, though, that will be shorter than last year. How uh, um, And officials are using the 2016 programme of events as a precedent because this isn't the first time that we find ourselves in a situation that we're heading into St. Patrick's Day and while we've had a general election, we just don't have a government in 2016. It took until April before they, and that was from a February election uh, as well. And what happened in 2016 was that the then former Taoiseach was Enda Kenny. So Enda Kenny travelled to the US in his caretaker capacity and he was repeatedly quizzed about the progress of the government formation talks uh, that was going on at home that kind of dominated his entire trip to the States. Uh, Most embassies are usually told of the St. Patrick's Day travelling plans in January so that they can put in place what they need to put in place. But because of the political instability, officials have been holding off on the slim chance that a new government is formed. Now, after a meeting of the Oireachtas Business Committee on Wednesday, it was decided that there, it, there's not going to be a second vote to elect a, a Taoiseach because the doll is due to return. Remember, they took two weeks off. Well, they didn't take two weeks off. They took two weeks out to get involved in talks. I need to be careful with my wordings. So they're due back next week. Um, but it's been decided now there's, there's nothing's you know the, the talks are still ongoing but no one's nearer to forming a government so it's just pointless it's a pointless exercise having another vote on electing a Taoiseach so they're not going to to do that so in light then of that decision the Department of Foreign Affairs will now move to finalise the slimmed down programme of events and then they'll obviously in the next few days inform all of the embassies. A source says that the Cabinet decision is not needed to approve the plans but it may feature in the next Cabinet meeting. So that's what they're now saying. Fewer than 12 trips are expected to go ahead although final details are still being worked out and ministers will be told about their destinations in the coming days because I was looking back myself and John Paul were in the office last week and we were actually talking about this and wondering who was going where and what and I was looking up on a piece that from last year and we had the full list The I think it was the end of January and the beginning of February would have been the latest that we would get the list of who's going where and what but obviously with everything that's going on this time round, uh, it certainly is is that it'll be next week before we know but it will be a slimmed down version. John in Cove was on to us. Thank you John for this. This is responding to John who contacted us from Blackpool who is living in a council property. He's 65 years of age and he has contacted the council because he wants a fire extinguisher and he said the fire the council won't give him a fire extinguisher and I was wondering was there some programme in place that the council actually give out fire extinguishers to council tenants if there was I hadn't heard about it before but John is in Cove was a man who used to work for the council and he said at one stage they used to issue fire blankets for anyone who wanted one but he said he never remembered 
fire extinguishers been given. So just because you're a council tenant, you can't just go and say, this is what I want, even if John feels he would be happier and he would sleep better in his bed if he had a fire extinguisher. It doesn't look like there's any programme in place for the council to give you one. I don't know if you can go out yourself because you can buy them if you want to go out and purchase one, John, yourself and get one. But I don't think you're going to have much luck getting one from the council itself. And remember I mentioned we had an email in at the start of the week from a and b owner in West Cork who was due to have a house full of Italians for the West Cork rally. And she's just so nervous about everything that's coming out from the coronavirus from northern Italy, and they're from northern Italy, that she contacted them and cancelled their booking. Someone's been on to say, you know those Italians who want to come to the West Cork rally, pass them on to me. Um, Can they uh, just tell them they can stay with me? (laughs) I don't know if that's a B&B owner or not, because it's usually very hard to get any bed available in the West Cork area the weekend of the rally. And Patricia, there was more precautions in place for the foot and mouth disease. And we mentioned this yesterday in 2001. There's no hand sanitizers to be got anywhere. I went into town to try to get a hand sanitizer sanitizer and I feel hand sanitizers should be at the entry to every food store in particularly going into GP practices. They also should be at the door of every pharmacy. We all remember during the foot and mouth disease disinfectant mats were available everywhere and that was when animals were put at risk but nothing for humans um, and I'm not surprised that you didn't you didn't the reaction that you got from the HSE they're a government body and they just pay uh, lip service, says this texture. Um, when you're talking about GPs, I was in the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. Uh, there are, there are always hand sanitizers. It isn't something new. They're there all the time. I don't know about other GP practices, but certainly in the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre, they have the, the hand sanitizers. Uh, 1850-333-103. Patricia, would John in Blackpool not go away and buy himself a fire extinguisher? Hasn't he enough freebies got? Does he think the rest of us are are fools. We have to save and buy our own, says a texter who doesn't have any sympathy at all for uh, John. Uh, Bernie's taking your calls and you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Music students of the Cork School of Music along with the Kinsale Voice Choir are taking part in a concert in St Mary's and All Saints Church in Glanmire. That's on tonight at 8. Donations are accepted uh, tonight. It's in aid of AWARE. Ballonhasset Community Development of a fundraising Kaylee that's on tonight in the Marion Hall dancing to Jerry McCarthy and it's on from 9.45. Gagan Dramatic Society are presenting Sam Cree's play Widow's Paradise. It's in Gagan Hall. It's on tonight half past seven start. Proceeds in aid of the Gagan Car Park Fund. Your support gratefully appreciated. A charity pub quiz in aid of the Hope Foundation. That's going ahead in the Mouse Trap in Mallow tonight. Starts at nine o'clock. It's ten euro per person. There'll be finger food and prizes on the night. And proceeds are to support Kira Hughes, who's travelling to India in March, and she's going there with the Hope Foundation. And Kildallery Bingo will be held in the local community hall tonight at half eight. All are welcome. And let me stay with Kildallery because the entire community is getting together to hold a major fundraising day tomorrow. 
for local man Jer Spillan. We featured Jer on the programme last week. He was recently diagnosed with motor neuron and the fundraising day is tomorrow. Starts with a coffee morning from 10am until 2, that's in the parish hall. That'll be followed up by a GAA football challenge match with Kildallery taking on Mitchellstown, that's at 7 in on, in the pitch in Kildallery. Then Rachel Lynch and friends will play in Sheehan's Bar between 8 and 10 tomorrow night. There's a trad session and barbecue in Walsh's Bar at half 9 tomorrow night and there'll be karaoke with Podge and in Ollie's Bar starting at 9.30 so a full day event all going on in Kildallery tomorrow 1850 333 103 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 Now a new service has been piloted for Mallow residents this year joining me to discuss the Health and Wellbeing Community Referral which has had positive results in other areas is Ethna Foley, who is a link worker. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ethna. Hello, Patricia. Uh, nice you, to meet you're, you. You're very welcome. Now, it's a referral programme. How would you describe it? So what I would describe it is it's a pilot project in health and wellbeing community referral where people who are socially isolated can sit down with a link worker and work to become more linked in with their community. So the person can refer themselves to the project or else could be referred by their GP, public health nurse, OT, carers group, anywhere at all, really. Do you think there's a lot of social isolation? I think there's a huge amount of social isolation. And I think all through the ages from from mums who are at home or dads who are at home and older people as well, all through the ages, a huge amount. And I've been at this for a month learning about all the resources that are in Mallow. And there is a huge amount in Mallow. There's so many groups and there's loads of groups and loads of people isolated. And the idea of my post is that it links those two groups together. So, OK, talk me through what would happen. Uh, somebody would say somebody who gets referred to you. A GP okay. is aware of somebody who they think could right. benefit. So if the so GP they... is seeing someone for medical reasons, for example, yeah. but thinks, you know, I think there's a bit of loneliness going on there as well. Yeah. So they'd refer them to me. So then I'd contact the person, explain the whole project and see if they want to proceed. Completely okay. voluntary, of course. Right. Then if they want to proceed, I would meet with them. So we'd sit down and have a really leisurely conversation. It could be up to an hour, could be an hour and a half and really talk about what matters to the person. So what they feel is going well in their lives, what they wish was different. And we'd have a big, long conversation about that. And then I have the knowledge of the community assets that are in Mallow. And between the two of us, over a couple of sessions, we'd come up with a plan. So the plan might be, for example, I'm going to go back to start walk with my friend once a week and I'm going to try the men's shed. That might be the plan. Or the plan might be, I'm going to give Bridge and the library a go and I'm going to try and do park run. For example, so we yeah, come up with a yeah. plan, then I'd work with them up to six different sessions to get them going and linked in with their community. So it's important to note it's not a befriending project okay. and it's not a counselling project. So the idea is the link worker myself would link them in with the resources that are already up and running in their communities. It's a, it's about building confidence as well, though, isn't it? Because if somebody gets very socially isolated, their self-esteem confidence everything just hits the floor absolutely and research shows that we need to be connected with other people for health and well-being and if somebody is in a lonely position even if they don't want to deal with other people their happiness will still be improved if they are dealing with other people so connecting with other people is just the very core of what we do yeah and only the other day we were talking about loneliness you know people have a tendency to talk about rural isolation Mm -hmm. uh, leading to loneliness but you can be living in the middle of a built-up area of a town or city Mm -hmm. and be very lonely Absolutely, absolutely. 
yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. And people, you know, the family dynamics change and whatever, and somebody ends up yes. on, on, on their own a and whole host of... And people retire or become bereaved or maybe family members move away or different things happen. Or, you know, somebody could be fine and busy and then have an illness and not be able to do their activities. And then when the illness goes, they kind of don't know where to begin again to go back to their activities. Yeah. So yeah. with this, then you might end up taking up something brand new, such as crochet, or you might go back to doing something you had done recently or years ago. But it's all about what matters to the person. So, for example, if somebody was a carer, they might like to avail of the care of a carer's group or they might like to do something completely different, such as art. For yeah. example, that yeah. isn't necessarily talking about caring. So it's all about what the person themselves want. As a link worker, you're not somebody who thinks, OK, you're a male over 50 or if you go to the men's it's, it's yeah. not that. It's, yeah. it's all about what the person wants. Do you help to introduce them to the group then or do you send them off themselves? Either. Either. Again, okay. it's completely up to the person. Yeah. So I could go with them the first time if they wanted Great. to. I think that's important because walking in on your own yes. can be oh, difficult. The walking in on your own is very hard. Gosh, anybody would find that hard, wouldn't yeah. they? And also it might be a case of ringing ahead to say such a person is coming for the first time. You might keep an eye out for them and introduce them around, let's say. So I've yeah. met loads of the community groups in Mallow and aiming to meet more now again so that I have a connection with them as well. And there's a phenomenal amount, isn't there? There is a huge amount. There yeah. is a, God, the library loan is a huge amount. The Lakela Family Resource Centre runs a huge amount. And then there's other independent groups around the place. It's a massive amount. Yeah. And they're all open to new members. They're, you know, they're thrilled to have new people join them. They are. They? Absolutely. Yeah. And the activities that we'd be linking in, in with are all free or very low cost. Yeah. So it's not a case of, you know, would you like to join to a gym or whatever. This. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to do that, by all means, they're welcome yeah. to do that, of course. But the activities that we'd be promoting would be they're either free or maybe you throw in two euro for the coffee or that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? They'd be those kind of activities. Now, we, we've mentioned it as a referral service and, mm -hmm. and I've mentioned the GPs, but it isn't just GPs that will refer people to no, you. No, people can make contact with me directly or any kind of group could make contact with me. So, for example, even if there was a group up and running and the organisers group thought such a person seemed to be a bit lonely, needed to get involved in something else, they're welcome to contact me and people can contact directly. So there's it's um it's a ten month pilot project and it's being funded by Slawn to Care Ireland. So it's completely free this, to the this, user. Uh, this is because everyone hears about Slawn to Care. This is one of the very practical things from Slawn to Care because it's Absolutely. all about care in the community. Yeah. It's, all, it's all about getting out and dealing with the problems that are in yes, the community. Yes, and it's all about encouraging positive mental health and preventative health care because obviously if people are active in the community and physically active, their health then would be improved. Yeah, yeah. So Slawn to Care are funding six posts. So such as myself. So there's Brian in Bannon College, there's Neve in um, Middleton and Yall, there's Mary Francis in Adrigal and there's two in Kerry also. So the six of us have been funded. So these programmes, what you're doing just here in the Mallow area are being run in those other areas yes. then as well. So six of us are up and running at the same time all all yeah. working on the same project. And it's, it's has it run in other parts of the country? Do you know where? It has. Yeah. So Waterford, for example, has a link worker like myself, one based in the city of Waterford and one based in the county of Waterford. So they've actually got two full-time posts running it there. It's in Donegal, obviously a huge amount of rural isolation in Donegal as well. Yeah. And it's in some places in Dublin. And it's huge in England. The NHS have decided they're going to fund a huge amount of link workers and they're going to fund them with the hope that it'll help support the GP practices that people will then be seeing the GP GP for their medical needs as is appropriate and then involved in their community for their social needs. Fantastic and you know I guarantee you they'll be seeing the GP less because if, yes, you know, if they're getting out yeah, there, I mean yeah. their health will 
improve. Yes, I mean, connecting with other people is so good emotionally and for your positive mental health and then also physically. Like, for example, the Kayla Centre are running a new lunchtime walk, for example, which is starting next Tuesday. So getting involved in physical activities, it could be yoga, it could be walking, all those things are so good for everyone's health as well. And are you based at La Kayla? Based at La Kayla Centre. So lots going on there, as you know. And yeah. I'm based in the La Kayla Centre. And all of us six link workers, we're all based in our own family resource centres. So, of course, there it's fantastic because there's already activities going on there. So through the La Kayla, for example, there's a laugh and chat, a laugh and craft group, for example, going on there. And there's also the what's, men's what's the la- laugh and craft group? Laugh and craft is a very informal, very social craft group okay. that's on in La Kayla once a week. All welcome and people come and bring along whatever craft they wish. So it could be knitting, sewing, crochet, any kind of craft. And uh, they meet there once a week. And have a bit of a giggle at the and same time. And have a bit time. of a giggle, cup of tea and the, <laughs> the connection, as we know. And, and I, know we, I know we had a group in um, last year, the Loose Women group. Right, right. Yes, yeah, so they meet. Great bit of fun. Great crack. And they meet in the Mercy Centre. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's exactly the kind of group that I've been meeting and introducing myself to. And if I met someone then, if somebody was referred to me or came to me directly and I thought that group would be suitable, that's exactly the kind of group we'll be aiming to link people in with. Okay. Uh, Noelle in Burnford said, uh, Patricia, could you ask that lady, it's Ethna Foley's her name, uh, if the service uh, of wellbeing is free? Can anybody avail of it? And will I need a letter from my doctor? Thank you. Okay, three great questions there. Thanks, Noel. So, yes, it is completely free to the service user, funded by Slant Care Ireland. Okay. Can anyone avail of it? That's a very important question. So, we will be dealing with people who are over 18. Okay. From my point of view, it's in the people who are in the Mallow area. So, people would be availing of services in the Mallow area. Because it's it's only a twenty hour week pilot project, so I don't the resources to investigate, you know, charitable industry yeah. in all the different places. Yeah. So people in the Mallow area. And it would be somebody who wants to get involved in their community and is in a place of of change. So for example, if someone is in a crisis at the moment, this wouldn't be the service for them. Okay. It would be somebody who's feeling, you know, I think I want to make a change. I need a bit of support to make that change. Okay, yeah, and I'm thinking of because when you mentioned uh, carers, I remember a number of years ago uh, chatting with somebody on the programme who had been a carer for many, many, many years and then suddenly the caring role ended Mm -hmm. uh, because the person passed away and they ended up going to a very lonely place because their reason to be was almost gone. Yes. And the big push to get that person to just go outside the front door and they did and they got involved in stuff but it it, it took time. It took time, But that's exactly the kind of person, isn't it, that that this this could benefit? Yeah, and sometimes when you're caring for somebody, you're so busy in that role that almost is some of your social connection in itself but when that ends suddenly then or if it ends or a person goes into a nursing home, let's say, whatever, that's exactly the kind of person who's more than welcome to avail of the service. And families will find when children fly the nest yes. that can be a lonely place yes, a lonely time can't it? Yeah, or retirement and obviously those two things can happen around a similar time then you could have one spouse retiring and children flying the nest at the same time so it's be all those kind of times that people are welcome to get involved because there's some people who will see a flyer on a notice board for for example loose women and they'll just go to it and off they go and that's great and they don't need the service but it's for people who need support just getting up and going in that kind of service yeah, people yeah. as you were saying like we were just saying it's hard to walk into a group for the oh, first time on listen, your own I, I, and I wouldn't be 
they I don't exactly suffer from lack of confidence but I, I, I have a thing about that if I mm-hmm. needed to go somewhere I would generally try and ring up somebody and say oh we go together yes can we just walk in the door it's, together it's a yeah, stupid yeah. thing and I think for us females in particular we yeah. have a huge issue around it it can it's be a huge to, issue yeah. it's great to have that bit of confidence so, yeah. so, so it's, now so you've you're up have you met with anybody yet are you so starting I've seen to meet? people from mid-March onwards are okay. but people are more than welcome to contact me anytime at all I can okay. give you my phone number my email address or people can always contact me through the Lakela Family okay. Resource Centre or the Facebook and page. Then will, and then will you meet in, in La Kayla or where do you do yes. that initial meeting? I'll be consulting with people in La Kayla Centre and then we can meet there or we could even meet for a cup of tea somewhere, go for a walk. I'll be going to them, um, going with going with them for activities as well. Yeah. And um, also we can talk on the phone. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant idea and, and I wish everybody uh, luck with it and I really do hope lots of people uh, pick up on it because I, I know certainly from this programme that social isolation and that sense of loneliness is felt by so many people and here's something I think that can really work okay all the contact details now Ethan and please for people listening okay so you can contact me by phone on 087 719 or you're welcome to drop me an email and it's lwspp at lakelafrc.ie or you can always just contact me through the Lakela Family Resource Centre. And they'll, they'll put you through uh, Ethna Foley. Uh, and Link Worker, that's the, is that is that a new title? It is, is a new title yeah. and I think it's a very well chosen title because it really reminds you that the job is linking people in with the community. That yeah. it's not befriending, it's not a long six month relationship or anything. It's linking people in with the resources that are already up and running in the community. What did you do beforehand? So before that I was in health promotion yeah. and I had studied sociology originally. And did you? Okay, right. And you, you're, you're very passionate about it. I guess, yes, I'm very is, enthusiastic about the project great. and yeah. I mean all of the health professionals and the community groups that I've met so far are all really positive about are it. They, I think yeah. they really see exactly what the scheme is there for, which is there's loads of community groups, there's loads of people and this is a link between the two. I see all those community groups benefit hugely because by getting new members in and it just Absolutely. brings new and dynamic to volunteers. And yeah. it's funny, now that you mentioned volunteerism is the other issue of course because somebody yeah. could come to me and say I'd like to volunteer but I don't know where to begin. So yeah. volunteerism is the other thing that... And so many charities and worthy causes need need volunteers. Absolutely, yes. yes. Listen, we wish you good luck with it. Keep in contact with us and we're always here if you need any publicity on it, uh, Ethna. But I think it is fantastic and long may it continue, certainly well be, well beyond the pilot project. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thank you, That's, Patricia. Uh, Ethna Foley. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Uh, my apologies, I forgot to mention at the end of my piece with uh, Edna Foley, the link worker for this health and wellbeing community referral uh, programme, that she is going to be hosting an information stand at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre on Tuesday, the 10th of March. And uh, she will be there um, on that day if people want to pop along. Just if you want to find out a little bit more about it because it is a pilot project it is a new service uh, and I know all of the local GPs are very much on board on this but you know as Ethna said if you're in that position where you're feeling lonely, where you're feeling socially isolated and you feel you're ready for a change, you want to do something to help yourself. That's exactly where Ethna, near in the Mallow area is where we're talking about with Ethna, but even the other areas uh, where these link workers are running. But if you think that they can be of help, it might just be that little bit of a push, that little bit of an encouragement that you need. So if you want to find out more, you can pop to 
the Malaparmi Healthcare Centre on Tuesday the 10th of March and I'll make a note to try and remind myself to mention that again uh, closer to the uh, time. Now some of your texts in okay a number of people are saying to John in Blackpool no there's no way he's not going to get a fire extinguisher from the council they, they do not issue fire extinguishers but people are saying that they do give fire blankets that definitely fire blankets are available from the council including somebody says by law the council will have to give John a fire safety blanket or something like that as it's a health and safety requirement I'm in a council house and they call every year to make sure it is safe but uh, certainly he's not going to get a fire extinguisher and then John himself came back and says thanks for mentioning me please regarding the fire extinguisher love the programme thank you John where can I buy one Okay, um, I've, where do you buy fire extinguishers? I would say a hardware store, but I don't know off the top of my head. Does anybody knows? Has anybody purchased a fire extinguisher for home? I know we have them here at work, but it's a, a fire extinguisher company that comes and brings them in, and they have to be serviced. I think certainly every year that somebody comes around and checks them. But I've, I, I'm as I'm saying, I'm saying a hardware store, but I don't know if anybody knows where John in Blackpool and obviously keep it close to the Blackpool area if you can, knows where fire extinguishers are on sale. Can you let us know please? Hi Patricia, could you mention that the Douglas Farmers Market is cancelled for tomorrow? That's due to the weather forecast. Yeah, shocking weather forecast tomorrow. We have Jorge, <laughs> Storm Jorge. We're all going to be Spanish for the weekend. That's happening tomorrow. Uh, K, uh, cupcakes by K. Oh, that's from K of Cupcakes by K, who obviously goes along to the Douglas Farmers Market. And um, the reason she's messaging here, she said, I know a lot of our customers are regular listeners to the programme. Well, that's good to hear. So Douglas Farmers Market offer tomorrow due to the storm. Now, I mentioned the Taoiseach and his caretaker capacity and how ministers will be going all over the world flying the flag for Ireland for St. Patrick's Day but it's going to be limited it's going to be curtailed this year nothing to do with the coronavirus but to do with the fact that we only have a temporary we have a caretaker government in place that has got Anthony's thinking and she says you know the, the TDs that were voted out the ones that went forward for election but didn't get elected and in particular he mentions Regina Doherty for example and she the Minister for Social Protection as we have no government at the moment are you saying that she still is a minister in that department in a caretaker role says Anthony absolutely yes and it's in our constitution because when the Taoiseach didn't get re-elected as Taoiseach he then had to go back to Orson Uchtheron and tender his resignation as Taoiseach because he was still Taoiseach up to that moment to Michael D. Higgins and then Michael D. Higgins puts in place a system whereby he has to the, all the ministers remain in place in a caretaker position and only last week or the week before I spoke with, because we were doing something on mental health and I contacted Minister Jim Daly, the Minister with Responsibility for Older People and Mental Health. He didn't even run. He's decided to take a step out of politics to concentrate more on his family. So he didn't even run, but he's still in that position until the next government, whenever we form the next government, they get sworn in. And then obviously the portfolios get handed out again. So yes, they all remain in place 
in that caretaker uh, position and that as I say continues on for another while yet 1850 have I quickly time for this I do very quickly uh, this is Pauline says hello would it be possible please for, for Patricia's recipe for rustic potato salad which she takes to family gatherings her discussion about potatoes during the week reminded me to ask for it you have some memory Pauline I'll tell you that my rustic potato salad is something that I invented myself so that I'm, I'm fessing up and saying that at the outset I called it rustic because it just looked a bit rustic the first time I made it. It basically is you get you know your little salad potatoes, you cook them, you let them go cold and you have them. Put them into the bowl and then you chop up very roughly. This is what makes it rustic. I normally put in red onion into it and then I'll put red and green pepper and then I will add mayonnaise to it, mix it all up. And then whatever herbs I have growing, usually if there's herbs growing in the garden, depending on the time of the year, and usually those family gatherings, if it's salads I'm bringing, it is it is a summertime. And you just mix it all up, add a little bit of salt and pepper. It is the simplest thing under the sun. But as I say, I named it rustic potato salad. Nobody else did. But it's good to know that you're thinking of potatoes because we were all encouraged this week to think of the humble spud because it's gone going out of fashion ever so slightly and we need to be eating we're told for the farmer's point of view we need to be eating more potatoes and they're good for us it's what you add to it my rustic potato salad might be too good for you because I might put too much too much mayonnaise on it and remember when you are going out to buy potatoes we must do our very very best to make sure that we're sourcing Irish ones because they are the best potatoes in the world and Christine says with all the rain we're getting at the moment why don't farmers change to growing rice we've plenty of paddy fields at the moment thanks for that Christine stay safe over the weekend uh, please uh, the biggest threat from storm Jorge will be the high winds on the coastal areas so please stay uh, well away from coastal areas thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing Nick Richard for the afternoon talk to you Monday at 10